Hey everybody, welcome back to the Chipman Brothers Tangent. I'm Chris. I'm Bob. And uh, we're back again um, on more of a regular basis. This is about two weeks since our last recording, um, which means this will probably be up somewhere around the same time two weeks later as the last one, which is great. Um, yeah, something like that. Yeah, if you're enjoying this, you're probably also enjoying and checking out, I'll plug at the beginning, uh, the Creating Geeks podcast I've been doing with my wife, also from my Patreon, um, the Chippa. Um, and uh, so, yeah, here we are. Um, it's kind of bad that we're gating these each with a with a celebrity death, but um, I guess we could start out yeah. there. So Chester Bennington um, from Lincoln Park, this is the, the singing half of Lincoln Park, um, yeah. which came right about my freshman year of sophomore year of high school so that they've been with me most of my um i'd call close to adult end of listening to music never a huge fan but they're always have been here they've always been the soundtrack of many a video game commercial many a transformers movie many a um uh dorm room listening fest counter-strike video anything else uh you know yeah um, they're kind of the internet age metal band right or new metal as you'd call it um it, it, like metal pop where you have like the pop punk they were the antithesis right they were like new metal pop them and uh um evanescence and the, kind of like the the post dark reaction to corn and everything else like that uh which is yeah. interesting so um you know that it's kind of a bummer i mean like i said i i don't have as much respect for the music as I did say for Chris Cornell or um, Scott Weiland. Um, but, you know, for a generation of people, this is, this is terrible. And, it, you know, there were some good songs in there and the guy was obviously talented. So, uh, you know, I don't know where, where your stance is or your remembrance, but, uh, you know, in, in my opinion, it's, it's a big loss for, you know, music is an art form you know you say anything if you like it no one can tell you it's wrong so there's a lot of people out there that loved the guy and he meant a lot so it's shitty to have someone go that way it is it is um yeah you know i i feel like i'm i'm a little i'm like a little generationally removed from like lincoln park being a huge deal but uh you know they they were a very ubiquitous uh sounding band and they they seemed like a, a band that was kind of going to be around forever Right. They, you know, you said the same thing about Cornell, but, you know, I mean, you know, we're, we're learning more every day about mental health and, um, and depression yeah. and everything else. And, you know, back in our parents' generation, you know, with the Rolling Stones, if, if the drugs didn't take a band like that after they hit their 50s, they were pretty much all set. And, you know, Chris Cornell made it to 50 and was on a reunion tour and killed himself. And, Chester Bennington, yeah. I, I mean, I don't, I haven't been following up on the details, but they seemed to have a career that was going equally as well. Lincoln Park hasn't stopped being around, you know what I mean? So it's um, kind yeah, of on a, tour right now. kind of an amazingly sad turn of events. And, you know, it, for anyone listening out there, you know, all I can say is, you know, this is, this is why you get help and this is why you talk to people and, don't don't make people think that um, you know there's something wrong with you for feeling the way that you do, and it doesn't matter how famous or how poor or how regular or how different you are. Uh, this this stuff hits all of us, and I I hate that there's such a negative light over doing these things, but 
you know, to stay topical, um, yeah, rest in peace, I guess, man. That sucks. Okay, so um, taking a tangent off of Chester Bennington as if the uh, the bad news doesn't stop there. Um, yeah. Horror um, films and horror fans just lost, um, I wouldn't say far too young. What was he, 78? Um, but, yeah, but, getting up there. But also we kind of expected him to be around a lot longer. Um, George Romero. Um, the, yes. The creator of the zombie genre as we know it. Um, mm. Night of the Living Dead, Dawn of the Dead, Day of the Dead, everything else. Um, Shaun of the Dead is inspired. The wonderful remake Zack Snyder did. Shut up, you people, about not liking Zack Snyder. That incredible <laughs> remake of Dawn of the Dead that never should have worked. Um, the Walking Dead, which is um, popularized so far that it's kind of gone past me. Um, I like it, but um, you know, I don't know if I needed that much zombie in my life. But um, uh, you know, we're I'm gonna miss him. <laughs> Just yeah, having him around <laughs> was was good enough. Yeah, I did. Uh, I did an interview with him uh, way uh, back. Well, a couple of years ago when I was just starting out, so probably about a decade ago by now. Was that for uh, Diary uh, or Land? Uh, survival. Mm. My survival of the. Of the I liked Survival a lot. It's yeah. still and it's still problematic, but I liked Survival a lot. Yeah, and you know, I mean, you uh, you you could definitely tell. You know, he he was way way up there in uh, in years, and uh, you know, guy who's worked really hard while he was here. Uh, but, uh, you know, was very, uh, gregarious guy, uh, never really ran into anyone in the industry, adjacent to the industry, that, that had anything bad to say about, uh, George Romero. Uh, you know, the guy was the, uh, the father of, uh, not just the, the zombie movie, he, he made, uh, you know, socially conscious horror genre movies mainstream. Uh, he did a lot more than the zombie films, uh, you know, by the end, the zombie films were definitely what he was going to be remembered for, but, uh, you know, Creepshow was oh, involved yeah. in. Uh, Tales from the Dark Side. Oh yeah, uh, Mo- Monkey Shines. It's a great movie about monkeys. Uh, I remember um, from the blockbuster days, there was a movie Bruiser that he did. Yes, um, it was awesome. It was you know it was a little bit more a standard you know suspense horror fare, and it, it was great. Yeah, Bruiser was good. Bruiser Bruiser is one people don't remember, but they should. Right, it was fantastic. I mean, the guy's influence is seen everywhere. I mean, uh, you know, the relaxed take, like he, he never really, he never really tipped the scale into a parody of himself. You know, like a lot of the, these people end up doing, you're either, you know, coming in and kind of doing homages to yourself. Uh, I mean, one could say land survival diary, but he was still trying. He was still working low budget, working with small studios, kind of piece together himself kind of movies even land which is kind of big for him still seems pieced together by hand um and and i love that about it you know the movie's so much more interested in the individual gore effects but also the social commentary a great last performance one of the last performances by dennis hopper you know going going full like speed level ridiculous villain for the for that movie and um, he was good and and the thing with Romero, you know, is it's like I remember getting the Shaun of the Dead DVD and watching it and watching the special features. And you've got, you know, Simon Pegg and Nick Frost, Edgar Wright, who are making a movie that's an homage to this guy. And George Romero shows up on set. To check it out. Wearing a pin. This is I inspired Shaun of the Dead. You know what I mean? And like, <laughs> yeah. you, you know, he's just he seemed to be he seemed to be just 
in it to work and in it to have a good time. And, uh, you know, it's and again, just a huge, terrible amount of losses these last couple of years. Yeah, it was not just not a good scene. Yeah, it's uh, it's it's a, uh, you know, it's tough to be optimistic sometimes. It is very tough to be optimistic. Um, yeah, but um, it, with a tangent from that, um, a lot of my influence, uh, you know, I I watch a lot of horror movies. Um, it's one of my favorite genres. Um, there's less good material in it. It's kind of the shovelware genre, as it were, uh, amongst others. But um, I also have a huge inspiration and basis in stop motion animation, as as you know, Bob and I. We got a little mini DV camcorder, 1996-ish, and I started using its quarter frame recording to do animations. And you've probably seen on hmm. Twitter, but we've been talking, uh, part of the idea of me getting my my YouTube page up and running with uh, a lot of help from my brother, um, Bob over here is that, uh, I'm, I made some films myself and some little animations and playing around. I was a huge Ardman stop motion animation, Ray Harryhausen fan when I was younger, still am. And, uh, I, around the 1997, 1998 timeframe, um, my favorite things to animate were my Legos and mm-hmm. my Sp- Todd McFarlane spawn action figures um, because nice. in 1997 and 1998, that's what I was into. Don't judge me. Um, well, that's, that's, <laughs> where, that's where you had to go for like the, uh, the articulated uh, action figures. Yes. And Do man, that they... and man were those figures awesome. They still are to this day. The, the, the action figure company's awesome. Yeah, no, you you can absolutely see why, you know, Todd McFarlane eventually became an action figure producer who occasionally does comic books. Right, right, exactly. And uh, um, so on a positive note, Bob and I had talked on a previous podcast about me getting my um, animations up online um, as part of uh, my Patreon, um, the Chippa, patreon.com slash the Chippa, and um, I found the tapes. So excellent caked in nicotine tar and cigarette smoke because of the household we grew up in um, are these two (laughs) VHS tapes. Um, One of them is like 10 episodes of South Park recorded on extended long play um, with my animations shoved in the middle of it. I believe there's three Um, and I don't I don't want to give away any spoilers because I don't know if all of them are going to still function, but I'm in process of getting them transferred. But uh, I did I did some Lego ones. I loved the Max, which was also a yeah. Todd McFarlane or Image Comics creation, anyway. As yeah, it, it, was, were. it was it was an Image uh, Image book, but uh, I was not McFarlane's. Creation. And a great MTV cartoon show. Um, oh yeah. And uh, what I liked about the Max for those aspiring or people that have um, dabbled in the stop motion animation before is he had giant feet, so it was very easy mm. to keep him balanced and very easy to make it look like he was walking. So he became yeah. he was my star. Um, <laughs> and so you'll, you'll see a lot of that in these. Um, so I can't wait to show them to you. And that's a huge positive cause it was about a two week search through old boxes in both my house and our parents' house to, to find them. And they have been found. So yeah, where, where were they? Incidentally? They were in a box in the basement in your old room under the new train set that dad's putting together. Ah, okay. And, <laughs> uh, how, uh, how, yeah, our, our father was a, uh, was a model train guy. And he is aspiring to be one again because that's where his train Excellent. set was. Excellent. Now, what 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 else is in the box? I don't know. Mum just showed up with the uh, with the VHS tapes. 
Um, she also okay. showed up with all our old mini DV tapes, so I'm going to go through those and find things that maybe I never completed because, uh, you know, for for those of you who, who are listening, who are in the everything is digital YouTube culture that we have now, I was doing yeah. these in 1997, which was like year one for the internet, right? So, yeah. so thoughts of anyone ever being able to see these online didn't make any sense. I was just happy that I could download a new Metallica single. Um, you know, that, that, that was, the, that, that was about as far as we could go. Um, so, and I think we've hit on that before, so, but right. it, it's just a common theme with me. Uh, but, um, you know, uh, our father had an old, like slung over the shoulder, like video camera recorder, GE one that recorded onto a VCR. Now these weren't, you know, the VCRs at the end of their life, which played, stopped and maybe recorded. This VCR was like a home TV production studio all in one. Mm. And it had every sort of AV input you could think of. It had audio dubbing. So what Bob and I would do is we'd create an opening credit sequence in D-Paint on our Commodore Amiga 500. And we would then edit, record a whole bunch of video, which back then we'd record into the VHS tape. But by the time I was doing these... They'd be little like 15 minute vignettes and segments on mini TV, which we'd then dub reel to reel onto from the mini DV tape onto the VHS from one VCR to another. And yeah, then we do it and then put the Amiga opening <laughs> credits on before it and hope that we counted back right on the rewind that it would show up correctly. And there's always this incredible bit of tracking in between the two. Yeah. And then we dub music over the bits. So one of the movies, which I actually uh, didn't have to take a quarter of English for because I wrote the script as a paper, um, <laughs> where I did like a Night of the Living Toys, I think I called it. And Bob actually yeah. starred in it. He gets pushed out a window. Um, but I actually made the movie twice because with the dubbing and everything, I had thought, oh, this I don't know how this is going to work. I got to record the whole movie silent. Because the animation scenes had music over them, so they had to be silent. And then I realized that I could mix in and dabble with the uh, dubbing a little bit more and was able to get speaking parts. So somewhere on these tapes, there's actually two versions of that film. So I'll try to get them up there. Um, I use film loosely, but but I hope you guys like them. Um, and then the others were me just screwing around with the Max and Spawn action figures and Legos. So, uh, so um, coming attractions, um, as it were. Um... I'm looking so, forward to seeing these again. Yeah, it's it's wild, dude. I watched uh, Night of the Living Toys the other day, and um, your <laughs> your improv on um, the reason why it's not cool to put toys out on Halloween because of some old ancient text that you're reading is is hysterical. Um, uh, and the deep, deep, thick Boston accents on you and mom um, in, in these recordings <laughs> is also hysterical. Um, right. I I just I had forgotten how well i mixed the animation in with physical things like i had these things push, pushing around boxes and chucking knives across the room and it, it, was, it was pretty cool so excellent um so since we're on the, the spawn topic um comic-con has just gone by and so yes it has I, I i think um we can we can tangent on over as it were to uh <laughs> um i think we talked about this on a prior podcast but i recently rewatched spawn um the the nineteen ninety seven yeah that feels right six 
Um, 97 feels right. Movie, I will put loosely again, that, 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 that they made out of Spawn. Um, now, I told you guys back, I made all these animations. I love the comic books. Um, but again, I love them for the art. They, they, you know, I don't really remember quite if they were written well. I'm not really sure if I want to go back to them, but the, the artwork was just great. Um, you'll see in some of these movies that I was talking about, my walls were caked with Spawn artwork. I'd recreate covers. I was way into it. Um, so this movie was like, you know, my Lord of the Rings at the time with the age that I was at. Um, and, you know, it had one of those soundtracks where like every big, this was like the beginning of the like fusing metal with techno, with rap, you know, type of soundtracks. So it, it had a killer one for the time period. But looking back on it, you know, who knows? Um, you know, Marilyn Manson's on there, you know, a whole bunch of other stuff. But this movie... Right. Um, you know, we bought the Fangoria mag, you know, that when we were camping up at White Lake in June and the movie came out in August. And so I'm like reading it every night, looking at the, the quite brilliant um, gore effects and costuming that K&B did. I mean, take everything else away from the movie. John Leguizamo's clown costume is incredible. It is. It's, it's such really a waste. Um, it's such a waste. It's, it's a... <laughs> Go ahead. Sorry. No, it's 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 a really, really solid uh, creature movie, you know, with, uh, with on that respect, it has you know great makeup effects. It's got you know two very good looking monsters. It's got you know the spawn suit looks really good. I mean, uh, you know, it has if it, it, they, it has like you know weird moments where it looks like it's like wow, you know, that's uh, where you can tell there's so much uh, you know layers of makeup and such on. Uh, I believe that was Michael Jai White. Yes, Michael Jai White. Yeah, you know, looks like he can barely move under all of this stuff, but, uh, you know, they, they did, you know, as good a job as you can imagine them doing on making this stuff look sort of like it belonged in live action. Right, and I mean, I'll, I'll, I'll take that over the beginning of the reboot comic books that we were getting, um, you know, the Fox side, like the X-Men and all that other stuff, which, which seemed to not want to make it look like a comic book. Spawn looked just like its comic book. Um, the, well, X Men wanted to look like another sci fi action movie ex- of that time. Exactly. It, you know, X, I mean, it, it, the first X Men looks like the Lost in Space movie. Like, th- think back to it. Yeah. Really, it looks like the Lost in Space it, movie, and that doesn't. It, it help. does. It, it does. But you know, <laughs> at, at the time, if X Men had looked like Spawn, you know, they would not have been able to hire Patrick Stewart and uh, Sir Ian McKellen. To, to do that movie. Also true. Also true. Um, but man, uh, you know, Spawn's a missed opportunity in that the CGI was um, bad even for 1997. Um, and they really reached for yeah. it. It's not like they recognized that it was bad and did it, did it less. They, they were, you know, they yeah. were wearing that ugly crown um, <laughs> right out there for everyone to see. I had hoped that my endearing love for it would still hold on, and as a narrative attempt at film, it's it's yeah. just an edited into um, oblivion, um, poorly acted, poorly written exposition to fill in gaps where they must have run out of money uh, to yes. move to move us along scene to scene, um, where the best of it looks great. And the worst of it looks like the Super Mario Brothers movie, you yeah. know. And and it, it's a shame because it's really wasted great costume work. 
like mm-hmm. really wasted great and Martin Sheen giving a Dennis Hopper level performance. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> wow. And, uh, and I, I'm not I talking the that, good Dennis Hopper. <laughs> no, I, I assume the reason that, uh, that 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 you wanted to mention uh, Spawn is because uh, Todd McFarlane is once again talking about another Spawn movie. Yes, and you know the the 14 year old me is jumping up and down inside um, in a happy way because uh, you know as I would always say the perfect company to team up with if you want someone to rein you in and cut your budget and make it work is Blumhouse and yeah Blumhouse thinks there's money in it if they're teaming up with him I mean they they're the company responsible for fixing M Night Shyamalan right that's yeah, the, yeah. The, and they're they're behind Get Out I believe right yeah I mean Jason Blum will will pretty much give money to you know your he is support your local horror filmmaker guy and but he's been killing it I mean it, he it, has it, been it, it's been a quite quite a large amount of successes <laughs> oh yeah i mean right uh he's uh, is he responsible for insidious and the conjuring or is that all just that director and his own little group uh that's definitely uh james wan and his people have been behind i, I uh, thought insidious was was his first tie-in with blum because the whole thing is to strip the budget down um shtick but i could be wrong uh, I believe uh, Blumhouse is mainly responsible for the uh, for the Conjuring. But, okay, so uh, so that was that was the same director. Though. That's Juan. That's the Conjuring. yeah. It is the so same director, Blumhouse. but okay. no, yeah. Uh, Blumhouse does does did release uh, the Insid- the Insidious movies. Okay, cool. So I was right there. All right. Yeah, so, like the, the the Insidious franchise, the Conjuring franchise, uh, Shyamalan now, uh, the Purge and Sinister are there. Uh, sort of like have been their big franchises. You know, like the the most talked about you know sort of political film this year is uh, Get Out, which was a horror film that uh, that Blumhouse released. So they're doing well. And, That's awesome. Uh, for ye- yeah, for years Todd McFarlane has been talking about doing another Spawn where he would have creative control. And I don't know if this will still be that, but his uh, you know his pitch for years was. Oh, we'll we'll do a uh, the oh shoot, the cops' names in Spawn are Sam and Twitch, right? Yeah, this the, the movie. I, I'm hearing this again that the movie is going to focus around Twitch, and I guess they're yeah. going to do a Sam and Twitch TV show that Kevin huh. Smith is making. Okay. This did you see Todd McFarlane's like release? As soon as it started up, and I saw Kevin Smith's face, I was like, wait a minute! Now, 14 year old me and slightly older teenage me are fighting because okay, seeing Kevin Smith around. Normally makes me very happy, but what is he doing near Spawn? <laughs> you, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, yeah. This this is an interesting collaboration of guys who got only just so hot in the '90s, and then you know you kind of assume they went away, but no, they're still here. Well, I mean, Smith's TV work is great, so if he's doing a TV thing, then awesome. But yeah, it, it's also Spawn, so I I'm not so sure where it needs like a writer. You know what I mean? Like. I mean, like you, you don't see Joss Whedon getting like turned turned on to Spawn. You know what I mean? It's not something that needs that kind of quirky superhero writing. It's a little bit more dark and serious. Yeah. I, I just don't see that being, a, you know, a comedy horror guy's territory or a guy who makes Supergirl episodes or you know the Green Hornet, you know, or Green Arrow. Sorry, you know what I mean? It um, it just yeah. didn't fit. But then you know, I saw Todd show up, and you know, uh. All respect for the guy in his art form, but man, he still looks 
just like an older douchey version of Michael Bay. And by douchey version, <laughs> I mean they look like each other. Um, and uh, Yeah, no, it's like the whole, the, the whole image crew of guys, like when they, when they first showed up, they all had like that reigning like 90s, a whole lot of money all at once look of guys who were in their 30s dressed like 12-year-olds were dressing at the time. Well, right, and I thought they all and, got. And, I thought all of them got over this and started doing CrossFit. Like I thought that's what happened. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, but they they still look like that now. Like Rob Liefeld, like you know, is still like the jeans and baseball cap guy, and uh, Todd McFarlane still looks exactly like uh, like himself. Which is, uh, you know, hey, if, if it works for him, it works for him. You know, no, I mean, I'm I'm happy for him because see. Like I said, the original movie has so much of his look on it, so somebody on the production team um, knew what they wanted to make. But uh, um, and I think Blumhouse yeah. might be the way to go. I'm hearing that he still is pushing this. Spawn is in the background, and Sam and Twitch are kind of in the foreground, which I was thinking yeah, yeah. might be the idea for the show. I'm not sure. Maybe the movie is now just going to be a pilot for the show, and they're going to do it for Netflix or something. Like I. I can't really tell what's going on. That that might be cool. Um yeah. But um so yeah, um it's just interesting that that's the route he'd want to go, but that was kind of the best issues of the comics were kind of done that way. And that's kind of what the HBO show did. Spawn was kind yeah. of like this dark creature that was kind of the a watcher almost. You know what I mean? Yes. Like and they do these little vignettes about, you know, serial killers and Sam and Twitch were following them around. Spawn was seeing that it was more of hell, like taking over the planet. It's like, all right, this is interesting, you know. Um, yeah, Sp- Spawn is much more like a, like a monster ghost kind of guy who just dresses like a superhero. Right, right, and yeah. um, it, you know, the the movie never, the original movie never quite got. It, it jumped into a third act very quickly, and the the yeah. origin stuff was for what it was handled pretty well, and him learning. Mm-hmm. It just, um, I'm intrigued. So, so you know, a 14-year-old Chris is really excited. Uh, 33-year-old Chris wonders if we really need this. Um, it's getting greenlit because of Deadpool, obviously. So, yeah. um, I mean, if, if, they, if they hit a stride, Deadpool is a perfect representation of what Deadpool is, and I thought that was unfilmable. So, you know. Yeah, th- this is going to be a thing that, that I feel like, uh, reg- regardless of how Spawn does, I feel like this is the the post Deadpool. You know, let's film every you know sort of niche R rated uh, comic book character is going to be a thing that that runs into a wall really fast because they've like that you know they've already done okay we're going to do Deadpool now we're going to do Spawn and uh, now quick somebody grab uh, like a uh, Bloodshot and uh, Young Blood. Which are two different things, not related to each other. Are young, sh- young blood <laughs> and bloodshot. Uh, <laughs> you know, it's. Uh, have you ever, have you have you seen? There's a video online uh, of uh, Rob Liefeld and uh, another artist. Uh, I want to say Todd McFarlane, but uh, it may not be. Where it was part of a a presentation about comic book art, and the gimmick was that the two of them were challenged by Stan Lee. Right. Who is, is there on set. And this is Stan Lee, you know, 20 years ago, so in his, like, uh, 60s. <laughs> and, uh, 
you know, so he's he's still very spry and and has the the Stanley sarcasm going. And the two of them are uh, are drawing this. This is how the character of Overkill or Overkill in uh, in the toys. You know, this this very quintessentially big lumpy. Uh, you know, Image Comics-esque guy, you know, with big shoulder pads and lots of guns and pouches and whatnot. The the challenge was come up with a character on the spot out of nothing and just drawing and freehanding it and putting it together. And as they're doing it, they're, they're explaining their thought process behind, you know, the character, which is literally nothing other than, okay, yeah, that would look cool with a gun right there and some muscles. Yeah, he needs some muscles. How about a bandana? Yeah. We'll give, we'll give him a, a, a bullet belt. That'll look good. Yeah. Bendelaire. Yeah. And Stan Lee the whole time is, is just very subtly kicking the shit out of them as, as they're doing this. You know, you know, just, uh, I mean, it's a Rob Liefeld, uh, drawing. So you can, uh, you know, Stan Lee immediately gets in there. Uh, get, get, can we get his feet in there? Can we get some feet on this guy? <laughs> you know, you know it's like you know what I you know what I can't tell fellas is what this guy would do for for his uh, on the job cuz it looks like th- that takes a lot of time to put that costume on. So he, does he just wear this all the time or is he uh, has a is he an electrician or something during the day? You know all of, like these these very basic narrative questions about this this character that they do not have answers for and you can tell Stan Lee is overflowing with contempt for this generation of uh, of of comic creators it's it's really something you know there's uh you know oh you i notice you guys draw a lot of clothes on uh, on on the guys here that they have a lot of different uh, different moving parts if you don't know if we, you know if we if we have fewer clothes we tend to put those on the women he goes i have noticed that i have noticed that indeed yeah, it's kind of right up there in front and not subtle at all, guys. <laughs> yeah, um, it's 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 quite a thing. You know, mentioning Stan Lee, um, going back to the sad side of this, didn't his wife just pass away? Joanne Lee, uh, yeah, passed away. Uh, pa- that was probably a week on, ago. Yeah, about a week, about, about uh, two weeks ago. Yeah. Well, it's. That's I mean, that... it, it, he was out at Comic Con, right? I, I saw a lot of mm. things where he was doing stuff, so. I mean, once once you're that age and that kind of thing goes down, um, I just want to I want to hope we keep hearing about him and seeing him. You know, yeah, <laughs> it's <yeah>. kind of <laughs> right. I mean, I know, like we said on a previous one, they've recorded like the next eleven of his movie appearances just in case. So, but, something like that, yeah. Um, oh, that's that's rough. Yeah, I and mean, the guys that's, that that's... he seems to be a wonderful guy too. So, <laughs> yeah, you know, I mean, it's Stan Stan Lee is is one of these characters in the medium that. Uh, fandom has seemed to go through a very specific cycle on where, you know, he, he was very much the Walt Disney figure of, of the comics industry growing up as I, as we were kids because he was, you know, the guy who was out there as the face and voice of this stuff who had also been formative in creating a lot of it. Uh, and so, you know, you, you grow up when, when we were coming up, you would grow up as a, a young nerdy fan of things and, it would be, you know, oh, wow, Stan Lee, I love that guy. And then you'd hit, like, your teenage years and get snarky, and, you know, if you wanted to be the cool comic book guy, you were like, you know, it's like, you know, Stan Lee took all the credit from uh, other guys, and, you know, Jack Kirby deserves much more of the credit, and Stan Lee you know, didn't write as many things as, as you think that he wrote, and, ah, you know, and, and all of this right. business. And, you know, fine, no one in this business is is perfect, and, you know, you know Stan Lee has a lot to... uh 
there there is a lot of back and forth about you know who got credit for what and uh, why this was the face of Marvel Comics and whatnot. But like, at least on my end, by the time you are out of like your 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 angry twenties phase and you know that Stanley is still kind of kicking around and getting it done, uh, you know you you can't help but be fond of the guy, right? Yeah, and it's uh, you know, I mean, everyone gets old, and it's sad, but uh, you do have you do have that going, in, and he is still with us. You know, that is uh, that's re- that is really something, right? So, uh, branching off from Stan Lee, um, Comic Con just hit, so we have it mo- did movie trailers of the Wazoo. Oh yeah, we there there were not not the one I wanted to see, but uh, there there are a lot of. Uh, a lot of trailers uh, online from uh, from uh, San Diego Comic Con. What trailers did you want to see that, that weren't well, there? Well, I Which wanted uh, I, I I wanted to see this Aquaman footage because you know. Now oh, Bob, we seen... got plenty of it in the Justice League trailer, and it looked um, well, you know, not good. Well, yeah, but apparently there's actual footage from the movie that James Wan is making, and uh, you know, Wonder Woman turned out pretty good without uh, having to be other than cursorily connected to the, the DC Extended Universe. So I'm kind of hoping that, uh, you know, that... I, I, I really want an Aquaman movie to be good, and I don't love this current casting. I think it's, you know, it's, yes, it's very cool that, that a, a, a an indigenous Polynesian actor is playing Aquaman. That is nifty. Hooray for diversity. Uh, J- Jason Momoa cannot act his way out of what little they give him to wear on Game of Thrones. <laughs> like, he is... And, and I'm not I'm not trying to, to, you know, be shitty here, because there are plenty of much less talented people who have gotten by on being big and brawny and, uh, you know, doing barbarian movies. So, you know, hey, good, good on him. He is the... You know, for, for a while there on Game of Thrones, he was, like, the guy from Game of Thrones, because... Like, chicks were all, oh my god, he's so big, oh my god, you know, like, he was a, he, you know, that was a thing for a little while. Your helmet and, is uh, so big. <laughs> but, like, they've put this guy in a bunch of movies so far, trying to get him over, and uh, it hasn't quite uh, clicked. Like, they gave him Conan, where he's basically just playing Khal Drogo again, <laughs> you know, tr- trying to get get that to go, and it doesn't work. Uh, you know, he was in that Stallone Bullet in the Head remake, which was not great. That and happened. He was not great in it. Yeah, yeah, that was that was not great. Huh. Yeah, it's it's been a lot. Uh, but uh, yeah, uh, I I want to see the Aquaman footage, and uh, I want to see the the Infinity War footage. Yes, that which that, they, which they that was missing. Available. They they showed yeah. off a lot of um things. Didn't they? Yeah, they no, had they, Thanos they show... and all of his children. That was kind of cool. No, that was cool. No, it's 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 cool to see all the stuff. It's the thing about Marvel is they show off all of these these trailers with the unfinished effects in Comic Con, but then they can't release the footage because they're Marvel movies and they haven't decided what's actually going in the movie. And uh, you know the character cameos aren't set yet. So, right. uh You know, I haven't watched any of like the bootlegs that have gone around for it yet because I don't want to. Neither but, have uh, I. You know, but we did get, uh, I don't know, so what was your favorite of the trailers that we got? Thor. Well, how can it be anything else? Oh my god, yeah, um, the, the Thor, is as if the trailers already didn't look good, mm-hmm. um, it, you, you know, the perfect, perfect thing about this Thor trailer, before, before we get into it in detail-ish, or-esque, 
um, is I have a buddy at work that's about 10 years older than us, and he's completely mm. burnt out. He goes, it, it, I'm not burnt out because I think they're bad. He just said, you know, I didn't need this. I needed one or two superhero movies, and then I could move on. He said, I'm just too old and cynical to enjoy this much. I'm going to leave it to the younger folks. That's fine. These just do nothing yeah. for me anymore. Mm-hmm. And I said, but did you see the new Thor Ragnarok trailer? He says, yeah, I know it's the, the um, what we do in the shadows, people making it. And I know it's this, this, that, and the other. And it just done nothing for me from what I've heard. And then he came back and watched the trailer and he goes, all right, so I'm going to see that on opening day. <laughs> it's, nice. it's just a crowd pleaser. It looks like they, they took everything that they learned from Guardians of the Galaxy and James Gunn and said, okay, um, so people like the 80s shtick. P- Thor is weird anyway, so we can basically stick any weird skin onto it and make it work. And it looks like they just decided to make Masters of the Universe, and I'm fine with that. Yeah, I'm I'm on board. It it does kind of feel like whereas for a long time, uh, you know, all of the Marvel movies were sort of variations on Iron Man uh, to a certain degree. It feels like we're kicking over into a thing where all of these movies are to some extent Guardians of the Galaxy. You know, where and that's cool. They're... I I like how the Captain America movies kind of delved into this like more realism, like you know they deal with the politics and everything in the Captain America movies. Um, yeah. hopefully the next Avengers can merge the two a little bit better than Age of Ultron did. But yeah. if the Thor movies and now bringing Hulk instead of doing another Hulk movie to start in can just be yeah. bug nuts weird like Guardians, I'm I'm psyched about that. Um, I'm I'm fully on board for for all of that. It looks it looks just delightful, you know. And it, it, it looks it looks, it looks like it wants to be beautiful too. Yeah. Like, Whereas the the Ultron shots just looked like they were too forced to try to be comic book covers. This looks yeah. like it's just, hey, remember when sci-fi could look cool? You know what I mean? It, it it just it had this like this love and admiration which Valerian also had. Yes. Um, which I just saw, and um, you know, on a quick tangent, I don't think we have to talk much because the world hates it. But I thought I thought it was a perfectly, <laughs> I thought it was a perfectly fine three quarters of a great story. Um, with three movies worth of style, and I I show up for Luke Besson like um, somebody showing up for a band of theirs that they really like, even though the albums keep not quite hitting the mark. And um, you know, is it as good as the Fifth Element? No, no but man, no, is not. it ambitious, and man, mm. is it positive, and man, did it put a great big smile on my face. And um, like you had said that opening credit thing needs to be hung on a wall in like the Smithsonian. Yeah. That's really something that should be a perfect example. One of a historically relevant thing being turned into fiction and two um, of how to do positive uplifting sci-fi hell. They should show that at people going to work for NASA. If NASA still exists by the time this podcast comes out, Um, (laughs) you know, like that it's just, it just gets you amped up about, about the universe and about what else mm-hmm. is out there after, you know, after whatever we got going on now. And the yeah. rest of the movie that came after it was a little bit of a mess uh, filled with miscasting and a story that never really quite ramped up. But Big Market is mm. one of the coolest action sequences I've seen in a sci-fi movie in five years. So there's that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's it's it has a problem of you know I was just talking about this with uh, one of our friends, uh, one of our other friends earlier. 
uh, you know, that uh, it has an issue where Dane DeHaan, an interesting actor who's done some good stuff, he is just not someone who can pull off this thing where a character is kind of a a real asshole. Oh, he's a dick. But yeah, he's, he, he's a dick. But like the you, character you need... would have played better being voiced by him in an anime. Yeah, do you know it, what I mean? It, he it, has that like cowboy yeah. bebop kind of like you know it's okay if I look kind of squirrely and young because you can buy that I can be a prick and I'm like learned and have been through things. And yeah. he just seems like a twelve year old trying to play Bruce Willis. Yeah, you you really need. It needs a certain actor to do this kind of like charming rogue thing, where where you're basically a sleazy asshole, but you know you 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 wear it so well it becomes charming. Well, for and instance, like DiCaprio couldn't pull it off until Wolf of Wall Street, right? Yeah, like yeah, he's no, he's, he's a great actor too, but when did he ever pull off charming asshole? Never. You know, he he did not. That's true. Uh, uh, you know this this is the kind of character that like you know you would need someone like a Christian Bale level of current, like, star guys now to, to make this appealing. And I don't even know if he would get there. And it, it's a shame because a lot of the supporting cast is working their asses off to attempt to help that. And he, yeah. he just seems to have gone, okay, what do I do? Okay, Keanu Reeves in speed. I got it. Well, he also just kind of looks like a baby. He does. Which which is which is difficult. Like there's this whole subplot in the movie where the the would-be girlfriend keeps giving him a hard time about being a womanizer and bringing up like this giant, you know, playlist. I think they actually call it the playlist in the movie. Yeah, I want like, I want all, you to be the only track on my playlist is a is a line used <laughs> in this movie that that could have been in the worst Hunger Games ripoff um team. Yeah. Like oh maybe Maze Runner series or something like that. That line could have been or or like Nick and Nora's Infinite Playlist Two, <laughs> Electric Boogaloo, you know, or, or what? Just yeah. I, I I don't know. <laughs> yeah, but like so they 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 throw like the the big roster of like women's mugshots of Valerian's various conquests up on the walls of the uh, of the spaceship screens and whatnot. And I'm looking at this and it. It just kind of sucked me right out of the reality of this because I'm looking at this and I'm thinking, I'm sorry, Dane DeHaan does not look like he's been alive enough years on this earth to sleep with that many women. <laughs> like, because he, he, and I, and look, I, I don't want to rag on him because so many actors of his generation have this issue where, you know, they, they, where they're going to look, where they look like 12 year olds until they hit 40 and then they look sort of like grown men. Right. Right. Like, DiCaprio still hasn't. He's just kind of aged up in talent to the point where him looking like he's still 17 just kind of seems unfair. Yeah. But, like, yeah, he, at, he, at least you, at he least grew you out of it. it. He. <laughs> well, also, he got a little fat, which helps. J just enough. Pe pe people don't talk about this, but, like, DiCaprio put on, like, some actual, like, not like muscle weight. He just, like, put on, like, you know, hey, I'm not running every day anymore, wait, and now he looks like an adult human. Right, he filled out. Yeah. Interesting. If, he got real, if DiCaprio got really fat, he would look like Edward G. Robinson. Yes, he would. What did you think of uh, of the Justice League trailer? This oh, is our, our third trailer for Justice boy. League. Boy. The, the first trailer for after, uh, you know, we now know Joss Whedon is doing the movie, uh, finishing up the movie for Zack Snyder, and... Uh, and uh, Wonder Woman has now come out, and so now at least one of these is popular. So, so here's the thing. So let let's 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 rewind back. 
to yeah. a world where all we had was Man of Steel. Yeah. For a minute. Man of Steel, like I said, is is a good C plus for me um, of a movie. It was like a B plus the first time I saw Superman fly. And if they had made a good movie after it to give me to, to earn making me watch Bruce Wayne and Superman have to go through that shit, then I would have been fine with the next one. Cause it's not a perfect movie, but there's inklings of what I like about Zack Snyder at the helm of a superhero movie in that. So you yeah. get the trailers for Batman versus Superman. We see that awesome, you know, Superman in front of the bat signal, like Jesus moment thing. And it's like, all right, maybe this has an inkling of being awesome. Right. Just mm. from the first trailers, what we ended up with, we've already been there. Isn't same thing with suicide squad. Interesting. Maybe even great first trailer, huge mess of a movie that I haven't even watched yet. I'm just going off the assumption of what people have told me. I'll be right up front with that. But hmm. now we have Wonder Woman. And Wonder Woman jumped, yeah. you know, it, like we, we talked about before. It's about an Iron Man 1 level good as far as a movie is concerned. Um, but in comparison to everything else, it's Avengers or um, Captain America 2 good. You know, mm. um, so now we have that to go off of. So wouldn't you know that they give us a Justice League trailer that pretends that it's Wonder Woman 2 um, that mm. wants to show us all this cool stuff with Wonder Woman, which, quite frankly, does not look good in the lighting and camera work that is used in this particular film. It really shows how well put together, even though it's in the same universe of a film Wonder Woman really was. So seeing this mm. again, it just feels like, all right, you're pandering now. You want me to think that I'm just going to get more of that movie. And I know that I'm not, you know, I know that mm. there's a whole bunch of other shit you got to show me. And it just, none of it interests me. It looks, it actually looks kind of cheap to me. Which one? Justice League. Yeah, it's. I know that they're not finished with it yet, but it, it does have a. It looks made you know, for so, TV. Well, it, it it shows that it looks like they're shooting a lot of this on on green screen, and I mean that's that's kind of like a, a misnomer to say now because like every movie now, even movies that shoot like outside, like you see like the uh, the shoot for the Avengers had uh, you know they they had you know these big exterior sets set up in. Uh, I think it was either Toronto or uh, or um, uh, Atlanta doubling for New York in the street scenes. And, you know, even when they're doing uh, an on-location shot, you know, they'll have these big green screens up on the set so that they can put more stuff into the background and whatnot. But, like, this very much looks like these actors are... These are actors inserted into... Uh, it looks like 300, and it looks like 300 in not the good way. No, because, no, exactly. You know, like, pe people forget 300 was really, if you go back and watch 300 now, it, it looks like a cartoon, and it's because that was the first movie where they really did do, you know, we're going to shoot most of this movie, like that and Sin City coming out around the same time, it was, you know, most of the movie are just actors standing in front of, of green screens in the director's garage, and uh, we're going to put you into the thing. And it, it very much has that look where what worked and, what worked for Sin City and yeah more so for 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 oh sorry Sin City less so for three hundred but it worked still was that they were hyper realized they they did that and and did what even the Spawn movie couldn't pull off and they made it hyper realized so it felt like you were watching a comic book come to life 
So the fact that it could look a little cartoony was actually to its benefit, I feel, in those movies. They, they might not have aged as well as I'm remembering. But in Justice League, because they're also going for hyper-reality, do you know, like, these mm. are supposed to kind of still feel like they exist in Nolan's Batman universe from, from a look standpoint. Um, it, it just doesn't fit. It all feels disjointed, and the, the design on Cyborg gets worse and worse every time I see it. Um, the Flash's costume is terrible. The stuff with, um, with Aquaman looks interesting, but, um, you know, it's also all just big CGI fest. Yeah, it's the thing of it I is, mean, is there. Go ahead, sorry. There's a way to do this, you know, mostly CGI. Because, like, look, a lot of this stuff is going to need it to be so. Uh, but if you do too much of it and you don't execute it properly, you end up with a movie that doesn't feel like it has a sense of place. And, you know, it, it just looks. I'm I'm not feeling a real sense that anyone is really there or that anything is really going on and it you know it just and the which is odd because Zack Snyder is usually very good at this. Yeah. You know like I mean there's there's a lot of location shooting in Watchmen. You know, it's sets but they're physical sets and you get a real sense of place. Like this is a lived in place where people actually are so much of this Justice League trailer, and, you know, yeah, we're, we're seeing, you know, finished effects money shots from an unfinished movie to to sell us on it, but it just doesn't look very big. It looks like it's, like, trying to look big, but it's still, it's all in medium shot, and it's all green screen, and you've got one or two of, of the Justice League, you know, punching through guys, and... I hate to go to like an an Avengers uh you know comparison but like you you go back to the first Avengers and the the effects work and such in the scenes where it's just like you know Captain America and Thor just standing in the middle of the street beating up the the Chitari guys is you know is not nearly as impressive visual wise scale wise design wise as you know these big shots of you know, Batman and Aquaman fighting parademons and whatnot in Justice League are, like, those all look much more painterly, but I'm also having, it's really hard to engage with any of it, because it's guys in, you know, these barely mobile costumes that, you know, are having all of these filters and color grades applied to them so that they look CGI, and then they're standing around in a CGI setting, and they're knocking out this cartoonish beetle man, and everything has too much detail, and it, it's it's... It's just an ugly-looking movie, and uh, I, I don't know. I hate to be so down on it. Uh, it looks yards better than Batman v Superman. It'll probably be a better movie than Batman v Superman. Uh, I, I think so. Like I, and I, I think it doesn't look. I think a lot ahead. of that is a testament to, to to Snyder too. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. he is not a bad director. Batman versus Superman is just a terrible film. Like that. That's right. the, it, it, it's it's just the reality of it, and um there's probably potential for this to be good, but man, there's a scene where Aquaman like skateboards on a guy through the roof of the building <laughs> and then pops yeah. out the front door and it's literally the same shot as, um, why do I have to keep asking this? Was it dark side in the last movie? Uh, doomsday. Doomsday. Sorry. It, it, I just, yeah. it doesn't register with me. I apologize. Um, it's the right. same shot as the stupid doomsday jumping and 
skating for some reason across the ground when he shows up for the first time. And it's just, it wasn't interesting then. It's not interesting now. Please stop doing it. Yeah. (laughs) You know, I, I, yeah. And it looks like, like, even like there, there's a shot of, of the Amazons in this movie, you know, like, you know, like charging into battle against our uh, bad guy, which it's, it's getting downplayed because, you know, when they first started this, it was going to be like a minor bad guy in Justice League One and then Darkseid in Justice League Two. And now it's just Justice League One. So like our villain after all this time waiting is, is Steppenwolf. Yep. Yep. Uh, no, yeah, quick, like, Chris, you're a huge, huge Superman fan. Before they started making this, could you have, like, picked Steppenwolf out of a lineup? No, it, Universe it's, it's only a name that I'm familiar of, and that's it. Well, he's one, he's one of the new gods, He and he, he's, like, an important and powerful one, but, like, he's not, like, one of the 50 new gods that I think people would, like, say. It's like, oh, yeah, we'll use him to be the first one. So, you know, maybe yeah. that's interesting, but it, uh... You know, it's it seems like we're we you know we've got you know, at least in the the first Avengers, like who are we fighting? Oh, Loki. Oh, okay, the first villain that the Avengers fought in the comics, and the brother of one of the main characters. Okay, all right. This this is this almost feels like if they did the first Avengers movie, and the first bad guy they fought was like you know the Avengers united against the powerful threat of Sandman, <laughs> who who for a while was an Avengers villain more than a Spider-Man villain. Or, you know, like uh, the Scorpion. Really? We, 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 we need all you guys to take down the Scorpion? All right. <laughs> okay, I guess we're, I guess we're <laughs> okay. doing this. Yeah. yeah, but, you know, fine. You know, we'll, we'll give it a look. I, I don't, I, it's hard not to be cynical about this because, you know, troubled production, first one was bad. But, uh, yeah, it's. Uh, it just looks muddled and disinteresting yeah. is, what, is what it comes down to, um, which is a bummer. Um, yeah. Really, um, now with that in mind, um, what's what are some of the other trailers we saw? Um, well, you know, we we got one for uh, the new Kingsman. Yeah, that's 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 a good aside. Um, yeah. While we're Kingsman finishing through the trailer, so I hold hold your weapons back. Just saw Kingsman for the first time four days ago. Oh wow! I don't know how I missed it. Yeah, I'm, I could have sworn you'd seen this. I'm a huge Matthew Vaughn fan. Um, I absolutely love Layer Cake, X Men mm. First Class. Kick Ass is an incredible movie. Kick Ass Two um, didn't happen. Um, <laughs> has a couple of good ideas, but it wasn't him. So, so that's fine. But man, I, I remember the original trailers for it. I, I can tell that the company that produced it didn't quite know what they had because it yeah. definitely wasn't the movie I ended up watching. And mm. I mean that in a very good way. They kind of build it as like a, a James Bond, but kind of a little sillier and Tarantino esque, but they didn't like, they didn't play up one that it was going to be so much of a superhero film, which I loved. Um, and they didn't play up how, beautifully violent it was and and i and i mean that this movie seemed to take a joy that even kick-ass i don't think could touch and how much how happy it was to be so violent and and i i don't mean that in oh violence is cool and it's all that movies need but if you're gonna have an r-rated movie with violence in it you might as well make it video game level bonkers 
Right. And and, and yeah. that's what this movie did. I mean, there's there's people with knives on their feet cutting people in half. Um, there's people whose heads explode and for some reason explode in like colorful smoke uh, up in the air. Um, the, the fights are brutal and hard hitting and often done in what looks is meant to look like a single take. Um, mm. it, it's just it's an incredibly brilliant film. And it from from an action setting, um, it does. It does have a couple of issues that I, I feel like Kick-Ass may have had too, but Kick-Ass is 100% committed to how depraved and cruel it is, which yeah. which this movie is kind of like riding the fine line with, where, oh no, you're supposed to be rooting for how kind of shitty that guy treats the women in the movie. Oh no, you're not. No, that's supposed to be a silly and a bit of a joke in James Bondy. Oh no, wait, no, this is, it, 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 it has a bit of a tonal imbalance, but I found that endearing about it. That it just it went for it, <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, mm. it, it went for it. Um, mm. Kevin, Cli- not Kevin Klein. Um, brain, main actor, British guy, King Speech. Bob, give it Colin to Colin Firth. Colin Firth. I would have never in a million years said Colin Firth is going to be an amazing action movie star. Mm. Wow, like he's he's amazing in this. Samuel L. Jackson's um choice of um how to speak. With his yeah. kind of geeky like tech ownership, but with the lisp thing that makes it almost seem you, you almost kind of feel bad for him at times. Like he's his whole life been kind of the guy getting shit on in the room, and he 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 kind of found this global warming thing as a thing to hold on to. And he's he's a super villain, but doesn't really like hurting people when he actually sees it happen. <laughs> you know, it's, he's, it's, he's he's playing a very uh, like Samuel L. Jackson interpretation. Of like a uh, like like a Silicon Valley billionaire gone bad. It's hysterical. Um, it, it, yeah. it, it 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 so jarringly doesn't fit with the aesthetic of the rest of the movie that it's perfect. Like him in yeah. the room with a bunch of British guys in perfect suits doesn't work. <laughs> uh, well, I, I and that's like what that I love about the, it. I think that was kind of the idea, though. You know, they were very much leaning into you know uh, this. The, you know, K- Kingsman likes to be. It's a movie that really likes being naughty about itself, so it, it seems to relish the chance to make Samuel L. Jackson uh, and his character stand in for, you know, this is this is England saving the world from America. Exactly. You know, the, 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 man. The, the dinner scene, you know, when he brings in the McDonald's food. is When he is, brings in the McDonald's was so brilliant. And, <laughs> yeah. um, and then, then we have our church scene, yes. which is the crowning... I... I don't think there's an action movie sequence in a movie, I might even say ever, um, th- that quite hits this level. There might be the, the hammer sequence in Old Boy comes yeah. to mind in something that just hits so hard. But what what was so impressive to me about this is, number one, it's a brilliantly staged and filmed scene. Yeah. Um, number two, like you said, Colin Firth just doesn't look like he should be able to pull these things off. And that's what makes it even more cool. And three, the movie, because of that, like, tonal mismatch, in the movie, this is a horrifying thing that's going on. I mean, Samuel L. Jackson's cell phone bug that makes people want to kill other people has just just, um, um, inoculated or has just impregnated itself into the mind of a trained killer. So he is now killing a whole bunch of innocent people. But the movie has just established that they're terrible, 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 hate mongering, like almost KKK level, like Bible thumper trash. And and so, you know, 
it's you know, really so, quite a thing. So you kind of half of you is kind of joyously like from a, uh, a sick, you know, dream kind of a thing, enjoying the fact that you're seeing this happen to these awful people. But at the same time, yeah. the movie is staging it with everyone watching it, you know, almost in the kick-ass level feed over the internet with the kid watching his, you know, uh, mentor, you know, off 30, 40 innocent people. <laughs> innocent used lightly, yeah. but innocent. And then Samuel L. Jackson comes as the capper and, you know, kills Colin Firth and then is disgusted by the fact that he died. I, I love that line. So, so, so is he dead? Yeah, that's genuinely what happens when you shoot someone in the face. <laughs> it, yeah. it's just yeah. it's it it's just so all over the place in a great way <laughs> yeah it's the it, it's very i like i like that matthew vaughn makes movies in a hurry because i yes. feel like someone else would uh you know i think any other you know filmmaker or studio might have thought twice about a lot of the things in kick-ass and then uh, and and this and not done them well matthew vaughn you know um what were you gonna say x-men first class is kind of an outlier it still has his signature on it all over the place in kind of the, the wacky ideas and the, uh, but kick-ass in this in particular feel like a polished version of what trauma does. Yeah. In that, you know, someone's, someone's really depraved and wants to sow some pretty messed up stuff, but mm -hmm. they're a little bit more classy. You know, James Gunn has kind of utilized that in guardians of the galaxy, right? Especially in guardians of the galaxy too. There's some nasty, icky things going on in the background of guardians of the galaxy 2 that you know yeah. that james is just totally enjoying the shit out of like putting yeah. those into the movie whereas in kingsman it just wears it like you said on on its naughty little sleeve like yeah. right out there for you to see like yeah we we don't have a problem with the fact that this is going on well the the church thing is the thing that, like the first time i saw that scene i i tried so hard not to enjoy it exactly because... <laughs> well, because it feels because not only is it you know gratuitously violent, but it's the calculation behind it is like audaciously cynical. If that's a thing, this is because you can tell it's the me the mechanical reason for it to be there is okay. We need to show people what this thing does. We need to show people what want. We need to show people that. You know, being a Kingsman means that you can tear through 20 or 30 people so that when Eggsy does it at the end, it, it, it makes sense. He was like, oh, okay, the, they can, they can all just do this. But it's literally uh, a British guy taking out his aggressions on US. Right. Yeah. And, and you, you put, uh, yeah. And you, you put this, uh, this whole scene, uh, you say, okay, well, where can we set it? So they contrive to set the scene in a, uh, a Westboro Baptist style hate church. Yes. So, uh, on the commentary for the movie, there's, a, I think it's the, the, one of the producers or writers and, uh, Matthew Vaughn are on there. And, uh, the writer was asking him if this was a thing he made up for the movie or do they have these in America? Oh my God. <laughs> See, that's <laughs> awesome. Yeah. That, See, that, 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 this, that, that's awesome. And, you know, it's, uh, it's quite a, quite a thing. And, uh, it's like the the cynicism behind that. It's like, well, we want to show him murder a whole bunch of people, but the audience can't feel too bad, so they all have to be bad. And, oh, right, because uh, I mean, he they didn't hold back from the murder. I mean, there's yeah. there's stabbings <laughs> and impalements and cutting in half and punching. Like, and the thing is, is like in kind of the way it, you know, Kill Bill kind of went gloriously over the top with the blood and everything to get out of yeah. how this movie. All of the punches and everything hit with a, oh, 
during that scene like it, it you can feel it you know what i mean and and so it 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 left me in that i don't know if i should be watching or enjoying this right now <laughs> it, it was really hard to to gauge what the movie wanted me to take away from that <laughs> you know and th- and that's what makes it so good and so worth a rewatch is that that scene i mean it's jarring for a reason and i'm not sure the the movie even knows for what reason <laughs> you know <laughs> So, so that it, it's just great. Um, you know, it is. I, I would have cut, you know, and, and not to, not to, but my first original takeaway from walking away from it is that I would have cut the last bit in the movie between Eggsy and that princess girl. Yeah, that's and I it's unfortunate. No, it, you see, I, I get that they're kind of doing like the Sean Connery James Bond, but a little younger and a little dirtier, like kind of thing, yeah. like. They just utilized her character to show that the one person that's willing to stand up to Samuel L. Jackson is the non, you know, non-white male in the room, right? When that yeah. guy is like giving in, and they show her to be strong, and then for her to be like seduced by this kid killing a whole bunch of people and saving the world, and then you could do that but not have her be so vulgar about it. And I know this sounds prudish after talking about that stupid church scene, but it yeah. really caught me off guard that the you know, okay, your prize is me, basically. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it's, it's, and not in, like, a cute way, like, in a really, like, kind of vilely, dirty kind of way. Just didn't yeah. fit with the rest of the movie. Yeah, it's, it's, a, it's, it's kind of stuck between being, like, a parody of, you know, like, a, a, a movie that a 15-year-old would write for themselves yes. and just kind of being that movie. Yes, exactly. Uh, you know, Exy teeters from, you know... Like yeah, fifteen-year-old teenage fantasy to actually being a good, you know, um, learning a lot of things through the movie and getting better because of them. So it's it's very strange, yeah. <laughs> and I I I just and, and it feels wrong after saying that I enjoyed watching a bunch of Westboro Baptist Church people getting brutally murdered to say that uh, that you know and uh, an anal sex joke <laughs> you know is it doesn't work anymore. But it just came off badly timed and in poor taste. In, in, yeah, in it, comparison. It, it's, yeah, it's on a different kick like, because but by by that point, you know, the movie has sort of, you know, really pulled off this uh this whole other angle where all of the as soon as he even though the ending is still funny, you know, by the time they're like flying to the bad guy's lair and we get like the first the, the reveal of Eggsy in in his Kingsman uniform is a big moment. It's like, oh wow, yeah. cool. You know, this is a like this. This actually works. You know, this 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 hero's journey thing. Like, I'm I'm feeling. It. I'm I'm on board. This is uh, you know, th- this this is an earned moment. It's like this you know, weird, I, like James Bond, Harry Potter, Kill Bill amalgam <laughs> that they're going yeah, for yes. there that worked really well. So I hope the second one is good. Yes. Yeah, so, so yeah, that brings us to the second one trailer. So so like I said, the first one didn't seem confident in what it was billing, even though it ended up doing great, probably by word yeah. of mouth. I'd say I don't see anyone coming out of this movie and not telling their friends they all have to go see it, you know. Um, but yeah. the second one looks to me like, and it, it might just be jarring because the first one didn't build the weird. The second one seems to only want to be showing me that, hey, we, we know what was awesome about the first movie, so we're showing you more of it. Right. And I don't know if that's to its credit or not, because um, I don't know if that's showing me that the movie might be be um a bit too much like i love the idea of seeing their american counterparts 
and the casting is great yeah. and the weapons yeah, I and like stuff. Je- and Jeff Bridges and Channing Tatum as the American counterparts is kind of that, that are, you know, cowboys and it's just, it's super cool. And I like the idea and it yeah. all looks beautiful. Like it looks like they filmed the shit out of it, but it also kind of looks like the matrix reloaded. Mm, mm. And that worries me. Um, yeah. and, and I, yeah, I, I mean, Matt, Matthew Vaughn is behind it. So mm-hmm. I, in him, I trust he has not made anything bad yet that that's, and Kingsman shouldn't work. That That's the other thing to its credit. That's a real, um, far reach, right? The league of extraordinary gentlemen was not that long ago. No, it was not, you, you, you know, um, that, that can go awry, you know, if handled wrong. Um, so mm-hmm. I'm, I'm going to go with cautiously optimistic on Kingsman two, because I loved the first one. So the second one yeah. looks like more of what I loved, but I, I worry that it's, it's going to be too jumbled. I worry that it's going to be more age of Ultron. <laughs> yeah. You know, well, uh, you know and, the, and the thing is like, I know we're living in the age of, of the franchise and that's there, but the I first don't think we movie, needed another one. Yeah. I feel like, you know, the first movies like world was fun, but I don't know that it was like, I wasn't left at the end of the other one going, you know, hey, I, I really need to see more of this. I felt more like, okay, I, I enjoyed the, the new spin on a hero's journey, sort of, you know, you know, boy becomes a man, sort of, quite literally, uh, sort of thing in this. And I liked all of that, but it felt like the, the world building there was in service of very strictly the story of this kid. And now that that's been, you know, it's like, as, as far as I'm concerned, you know, like the the actual last bit of the movie where he goes back into the bar and yes. does the manners maketh man line, I think it's it's kind of over at that point. Like it's it seems like, you know, his journey's done. And we've also done the thing where we've acknowledged that the whole idea behind the Kingsman is a little elitist and it needs to be a different thing. And you know, the 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 ones who were bad turned out to be bad and have just gone through the whole, you know, rigmarole. I. I I'm sure that there must be something interesting they've come up with, but like when it came time to do Kick-Ass 2, they didn't really have anywhere to go after Kick-Ass 1, and they still didn't find a place to go. Yeah, Kick-Ass 2 just became everything that the detractors of Kick-Ass 1 said the movie was. Yeah. It was only left with the vile crude for no reason. I mean, that was a one-star or zero-star Roger Ebert review for that reason, right? Yeah. Um, The first one, and, you know... the second one kind of just wanted to be, and, and I didn't fully hate it. It had some good stuff in it. It yeah. just had some good parts instead of a good all-around movie. And, and I, right. I worry, I think with Vaughn on board, we, we could end up with Guardians of the Galaxy 2 level where it just rises above. And maybe they're, we they're, could. Maybe we could. they're showing their whole hand from an action standpoint in the trailer because they've written something else. I mean, the trailers for the first one didn't show anything about it being a kid going to school, learning to be one of these guys, right? They left out kind of that, that whole cool, like men in black, but British kind of thing that they had going on that I really enjoyed. You know, mm. I, I, I thought it was, and the fact that it all seemed dangerous, but it was really just a front, you know, you know, and all of that I, I found really yeah. cool. And um, almost like a Willy Wonka and the chocolate factory kind of thing. where like, we're like playing you. But, and, and I loved that about it. And, you know, it, I just don't know if the, I don't know if we need a second one, and I and, and it's a shame to feel that way. But cautiously optimistic is where I'm at. Okay, and then lastly, there's there's Ready Player One, yes. um, Steven Spielberg's 
movie about a book that's in love with him and other things of the 80s if i get it right i haven't read it yeah i'm hoping yeah. to not read it because i've heard it's not very good <laughs> you know it's it is it's a lot of people dearly loved this and i you know i gave it a shot okay uh, okay you know it's it's not story-wise it's not bad um but you know i it really needed, I, I think, better prose to be a better book. Okay. But uh, are, are, you, are you familiar with the premise of this? Yes. Is it, it's, it, it's, it's the future and the world sucks and everyone plays like a, uh, a virtual reality MMO. And it was made by this eccentric guy who uh, grew up in the 80s and loved all popular culture of the 80s and early 90s. And the whole thing is made of that. So it's just a giant, it's, someone online described it as it looks like T-Fury made Tron. Okay. And, uh, it, it's all just a big mashup of, hey, we're going to have a race, and all the cars are Knight Rider, and the Ghostbusters car, and Kit, and Rad Racer, and oh, here's a battle, we're fighting, you know, Freddy Krueger is fighting Ultraman, is fighting Stormtroopers, and, and all of, you know, the, and the Iron Giant was there, and the, uh, Maybe this will work better as a movie because as a book, again, storyline, not bad. The idea is that the, the guy who created the virtual world has left a, a series of puzzles buried in all of the pop culture references of the game. So only those who are as knowledgeable about obscure 80s nerd culture as him will be able to find the secret of this, uh, which will and end up with him owning the uh, uh, the virtual world and being the new master of it. So there's a reason why Pure Imagination is in the trailer. Yes, I liked that, um, for yeah, sure. So be because it's it's the Charlie and the Chocolate Factory thing. The, the I would say my issue with the book is one that it's... Beneath that, that's kind of all there is. Like, it doesn't really arrive at a larger point about... Uh, you know, like, I was like, okay, we're talking about 80s pop culture and the world has descended into a post-capitalist dystopia. There's, there's a lesson here coming about not building your whole life around fake plastic stuff, you know, that you grew up with and, uh, you know, forging your own identity. Any minute now, this becomes the point. Oh, oh no. Okay, no. This, this is really just Tron with a lot of pop culture references, including to Tron. Interesting. Oh, okay. okay. All right. And, and, Unfortunately, there's also a lot of Klein's a decent storyteller, but the references really are. And then I got into my car from Ghostbusters, the 1987 Robert Zemeckis movie. But I had tricked it out with the grill from Knight Rider and had added DeLorean doors on the side. So my Ghostbusters, Delor and it's it's just a whole lot of references and then explaining where the reference came from. I see. I so see. I understand why a lot of... I didn't hate it. I understand why a lot of people couldn't get through it. Ernie Klein, of course, you know, jumped out of nowhere into superstardom because of... Uh, he wrote the screenplay for Fanboys. Yes, that's right. And I, and I like that movie. Yeah. So the, 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 it's, it's not perfect, but I like that movie. So, okay. Yeah, it, it's so, cute. So hearing you describe the movie, before I talk about my <laughs> reaction to the trailer... Um, yeah. makes it sound like if it was to go bad, it could be, you know, pixels crossed with extremely loud and incredibly close, which doesn't yeah. sound good to, to, to me. Yeah. Um, but now let's come back to me. I, I'm yeah. the target 
you and me and many others, I'm sure, listening to this, are the target demographic for this. Um, yes. Hearing Steven Spielberg attached to this and hearing what it was about made me very excited because when he's on point, he's on point. And his sci-fi movies of recent, um, especially the back-to-back whiz-bang, great double feature in my eyes of AI, flawed, but I love it, and Minority Report, flawed, but I love it. But the, they, that kind of shared world, as soon as this trailer starts up, it looks like it's existing in that same, that they're filming it the same way, it looks the same. Um, my yeah. problem with the trailer, only as a trailer, is that it doesn't seem interested in showing me any of that. It seems interested in jumping right into the game and showing it off. Mm. And because of that, I could see people using the argument that it just looks like a muddled special effects fest. Because once you get into the game, while it is showing me the Iron Giant and Freddy Krueger and the DeLorean and the Ghostbusters car and And the Akira bike bike and all this other stuff that I'm just geeking the fuck out over because it's Spielberg putting these things on screen. It's like his Jay and Silent Bob strike back, but unironically, right? Someone wrote a book basically praising me as a god and I get to make the movie about it. You know what I mean? That's kind of awesome, maybe too on the nose, but it's kind of awesome. Um, but I would really rather have seen a trailer that told me more of the story. Yeah, well, this is the Comic-Con trailer. This is, you I, know, I, you... I, I get that, but, you know, I, and I get that the trailer is meant to be fan service, but put it next to Thor. I should be reacting yeah. to this the way I'm reacting to the Thor trailer, and I still am. I mean, mm-hmm. it, don't get me wrong, I, this Ready Player One trailer has sold my ticket. But, yeah. but it seems, it seems... Like, if they were going to show me only the game, I might not have had two-thirds of the trailer be the race. Yeah. You know, maybe just do a sizzle reel of money shots of all the different characters from Spielberg movies and other stuff that are in this. Yeah. Instead of it looking like uh, the the bad game in Wreck-It Ralph. Mm. You you know, the one that was supposed to look like Halo. Uh, Oh, oh, Heroes Duty. Heroes Duty. Yeah, and and again, not to maybe that's what they're going for, but it looks like the Oasis or the game that they end up playing. It, it kind of has that dark, and maybe this is the point that dark kind of mm-hmm. everything is gray and brown and dark, like Michael yeah. Bay kind of action movie look. That I'd really hope after seeing how actually kind of beautiful the real world shots looked, even though it's you know mm-hmm. a bunch of stacked trailers, which is really cool. It just it. I don't get a sense of other than it being fan servicey, which again, it's a comic con trailer. You're right. It doesn't excite yeah. me the way the Thor trailer does, but, but now I still my, think the movie is reading my mind and knows exactly what I want to see. Yeah. I, I really hope that, uh, my, my honest hope for this, cause for a minute there, you know, when they first announced this, they said, Oh, Steven Spielberg is going to do this. I thought, why, you know, why, why do you want to film, you know, a, like a like this really should be probably something that someone like uh, you know ideally like maybe Joss Whedon jumps on this you know where it's right you know, so, like like more of like a meet a medium talent that is you know more dialed into this like this really should be something that you know those guys or maybe like uh, like the the freaks and geeks guys or Lord and Miller or somebody get on but well, Lord and Miller it, seem Lord and Miller are perfectly matched to this material in my opinion well, but they, they made it and it was the lego movie well right and that's that's why i'm getting this you know like they've already done this for me and i i'm hoping yeah. because it's spielberg he's bringing something unique to the table because his adaptations have not 
are not known for being um, straight. And yeah. they're also known for normally being better than the source material. And mm. that's that's a good sign. I mean, we have Jaws and Jurassic Park to go off of with right. that, right? Yeah, my hope for Spielberg on this one, now, now having seen it and seeing, okay, like, the references are there, but they're kind of matter-of-factly integrated. And it's it's not like, you know, like, oh, hey, it's, it's not, oh, hey, look, uh, there's the Iron Giant getting his close-up sort of thing. It's, uh... Or like, you know, Freddy Krueger is in the trailer, but you have to look for him. Right. I hope the you posters know. aren't just showing the references. Yeah, yeah. I hope the it's... posters are a little more trying to keep it kind of subtle and like, mm. you know, because if it turns into um, Steven Spielberg directing the book that was in love with E.T. and then it's just an E.T. poster, you go like, yeah, okay, but. But well, but that's the thing, though, is like I think if a younger, I think if a director of of Klein's actual generation made this movie, it probably would not be as good as however good the Spielberg version is going to be. Because, and I I agree with the criticism that what's missing from the book Ready Player One is, I mean, yes, he could stand to be a better prose writer, but what's missing fundamentally from the story is something else to say and an actual perspective on all of this stuff other than here's all this stuff. Well, you know? it, it, it seems, and, I, I haven't read the book, but it seems like Snow Crash. It is and, basically... And Snow it's, Crash it's, had a point. Yeah, uh, it's reference-laden Snow Crash. It, Snow Crash had a really, really important point to, like, what was yeah. going on. Right. But I think that the way that you might get that is even if it doesn't like, you know, change the narrative at all or have someone speechify about what this really means, uh, the fact that this isn't nostalgia to Steven Spielberg, this is a bunch of shit that him and his friends made when they were younger. Right. You know, that maybe he has that outsider's perspective on it and, and can bring just some sense of meaning to this beyond here is this stuff, look at all this stuff. You know, because right. otherwise if, you're, if, you're going to get a really, really big episode of Robot Chicken. Yeah, or or just a... I, I don't want to call Spielberg burnt out. He, he's still my favorite director. Uh, but a seemingly burnt out, you know, um, older musical act playing a greatest hits show that they didn't want to play. Mm, yeah, you don't want you, you, don't you know want what that. I mean. Like, I don't want this to be okay. Fine, we'll play fucking Freebird. You, you know what I mean. Like, and yeah, that and yeah. that worries me. And there was nothing in the trailer that 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 calmed that fear. Do you know I what think, I mean? That <laughs> yeah, no, no, I I get that. I think having 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 read it and you know seeing the the whole angle on this, I really do think that the fact that the trailer is in sort of you know Minority Report dystopia vision. You know, and, and has kind of a unifying aesthetic beyond look at this is is probably an indicator that that Spielberg was the right idea to uh, to to go into this. Well, I uh, I know, like that yeah. he has we'll I like that he has a shared universe in his future vision. <laughs> I, I I no I like that and it, it, yeah. I like that and um I like that you know he can kind of go okay I almost predicted you know I can I confuse this by predicting that when they make when they write the story or I make the movie about people that end up being really nostalgic for me, that it ended up in the same future I predicted in these other movies I made, you know, I, yeah. I, I think that's a cool background to it. And I liked that about the AI and the minority report thing is it's like, you know, this thing mm -hmm. that Kubrick and I created, 
you know, is existing in the same future that Philip K. Dick was writing about. You know, it's like, yeah. all right, that's kind of cool. You know what I mean? That like you can you can piggyback in a visual aesthetic. You know, um, I just it the BFG I found so damn endearing because mm. it was it was a master of cinema adapting Roald Dahl, which is n- not really easy to adapt into cinema. I mean, they have to change a lot, and it still mm. comes off creepy. And I loved how just brilliantly um, happy to exist that movie felt, you know. Yeah. And it was a big CGI fest that that felt like it was made better because it was kind of like Tintin. Mm. You know what I mean? He's he's utilizing these effects really well to tell a story. I don't. And yeah. again, it could just be that it's a Comic Con trailer, but I don't get story from the Ready Player One trailer, and I yeah. don't get. I don't get enough of the references for me to go like completely apeshit gaga over them. But I mm-hmm. also think that's intentional that they're trying to pull back and make you be brought in by the visuals. But the visuals just look like, um, you know, a video game. It's what mm. they're supposed to be. And maybe that's the yeah. point. But, uh, you know, I'm excited because it's a Spielberg film and I'm excited to see it because I'm sure it's going to be huge and, and make a lot of money, but it's just not exciting me enough yet. Mm. Well, we're going to have to wait a little while. I mean, that doesn't come out until March, and it is not our uh, our first uh, Steven Spielberg movie this year. Yeah, what's the other one again? I should. Uh, I'm shutting down, uh, the, dude. It's late. <laughs> no, I know it's uh, it's the the papers, the uh, the Pentagon Papers movie Dang. with Tom Hanks. Dang, yes. So, let's uh, continue our Bridge of Spies um, track because that was great. Yeah, Tom Hanks and Meryl Streep in uh, in the papers. It's I, I like this. I'm I'm gonna do a little one in between, or a couple yeah. of little ones in between, kind of shtick. Okay. Well, because Br- Bridge of Spies was so fucking good. It's better than anyone gives it credit for. It's it's a game. It's really a game. Yeah. Uh, no, it's it, it's one of the best movies he's ever made. It's, it's going easy. to be remembered as one of easy. the best things he's ever done. I mean, the fact that that and Lincoln and Munich have been made in the last fifteen years is that when yeah. Munich, like those are career defining movies, and they're coming like you know. Not at the end, even and right that, that that's like Munich is the kind of movie you make early. Yeah, like, like if you start someone on Spielberg with Munich, they're gonna have a very different idea of the type of movie that guy makes. Yeah, <laughs> it's 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 very intense. And and Bridges Spies delved. I mean, it was more dialoguely intense. But man, that that right. was. I mean, you had the Coens right for him, so that's a match made in heaven in and of itself. Exactly. Um, exactly. But yeah, so so that's my take on the Comic Con trailers, and we yeah, and we I, got to talk about Valerian and Kingsman, so so I'm happy. Yeah. All right. Uh, do we want to wrap it up? Yeah, I think we will. Um, yeah. So uh, I, I knew you. Got, I know you got to go to bed. I got oh, a night of work ahead of me, but eventually I got to go to bed. <laughs> so, Bob, any any final thoughts before we wrap? Uh, you know, um, oh, um, as we were talking, uh, news just came through that we've lost uh, June Foray as well. Uh, she was a voiceover <sighs> actor. She was uh, Rocky the Flying Squirrel. Yes. And uh, yes. thousands of other things. So uh, that's unfortunate. Oh, mother of God. Um, yeah. Okay. Um, well, we'll add that. Now that's three that we've yeah, talked about on three. this podcast. Actually, four with Stan Lee's wife. So um, rest in peace yeah. to all of you. Um, mm-hmm, Jesus. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, well, on that note. um mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm Chris. 
Yeah, I'm Bob. Uh, we'd like to remind you guys that the tangent is being funded exclusively by the uh, Chris Chipman Patreon. That is uh, patreon.com slash thechippa, T-H-E-C-H-I-P-P-A. Uh, check us out. Please like, share, subscribe, uh, share this podcast around to as many of your friends as possible because uh, if you want us to keep making them, uh, we uh, we need to uh, to keep uh, you know we need we need to see the uh, the foundation there. So uh, we really appreciate that. Uh, also, uh, Chris's Patreon is going to be funding his YouTube channel, which is uh, the Chippa Made This, which is going to be showing off all kinds of cool stuff, including this, uh, his other podcast. And uh, it's going to be showing off some cool uh, old school videos very soon. So uh, you guys all take care. And thank you guys for coming along on the tangent. Until next time. And uh, have a good night. We're out.